Welcome to the Bipolar Black Girl Podcast, hosted by Delvina J., somebody who has been on the front lines of mental health challenges and understands truly how you feel, understands the isolation, the confusion, and even the embarrassment. There's no reason to be embarrassed, and together, we're going to fight the stigma surrounding mental health. Get ready to hear from others who have been in similar challenges as you and feel the encouragement from knowing you are not alone. Regardless of how yesterday felt, girl, you can get back up again and again. Here's Delvina J. Hey, y'all. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's your girl, Delvina J. And I am here with our special guest today, Mark Payson. I said it right. <laughs> I got it right. Okay, perfect. So um, let me tell you a little bit about Mark. Mark is a father, a husband, a mental health advocate, an avid runner, and a coach. He does wears uh, quite a few hats. And so we're going to today, we're going to talk about mental health in regards to black men. Because, you know, we know women that, you know, it's it's hard for us to talk about our mental health. So that just, you know, changes the game for, for the men. So we're going to talk about that today. And Mark, I just want you to kind of share your story. Like what what was life like before you realized that you needed to get some help with your mental health? Well, first, Alina, thank you very much for having me on, on your show. And very good question. And it's hard for me to go back that far because I've been working on this for, like I said, most of my adult life and, and into my teenage years. And, you know, looking back before I attempted to, you know, work on myself, there was a lot of, a lot of anxiety, constant anxiety, a lot of second guessing a lot of asking myself if I was good enough for anything, whether that be, you know, a basketball team, a soccer team, you know, a, a crush I had on in school, you know, good enough to make that a every every success that I had as a young child, I second guess if, if I if I earned it. But then every failure I had, I assumed that was the right thing that happened. That's what's supposed to happen. And so you're asking that question, what was it like before I started this journey? It was just me doubting myself constantly. Like every day there was some type of self-doubt. Even when I received the highest accolades, I always thought I wasn't doing enough. I always thought I wasn't a good enough son, a good enough brother, a good enough teammate, a good enough you know, student, good enough friend. So that's what, that's what life was like before I, I started this journey. Okay, so you had this deep feeling of just, you couldn't do anything right, I guess, kind of the, just put it out there. You've had a feeling of not feeling good enough, like the self-doubt that we often find ourselves kind of getting into where, like you say, if something good happens, you question it. And if something bad happens, you're like, oh, oh I, know, I know I deserve this. This is, I brought this on myself type of thing. So what led you, was it like a specific event or was it, you just said, okay, I'm going to get help, and you just went for it. So it was when I got to college, and I, I got out on my own, and I didn't have, you know, the, the healthy bed to go home every night, the parents every night, the, the brother, the sister, and I was out on my own. And, you know, I played I played sports in college, and I didn't feel connected to anyone. Like, I didn't feel like any of these guys on my team, like, really felt the way I felt. Um, all of them were 
you know, highly recruited and all of them were always told that they were the best at what they did. And I just felt like I wasn't that. I didn't feel that way. And every practice my, my freshman year, I started feeling more and more just not needed. I felt more and more that I shouldn't be here. Like I'm in the wrong spot. I didn't deserve this. I don't deserve to be a college athlete. And I don't know what made me go to the, the medical center and just book an appointment for a therapist. I had taken a psych 101 course or a sociology 101 course, and it really resonated with me. And I said, well, let me just, let me just try it. Let me just make an appointment. Um, you know, it was an appointment during the second half of a soccer practice. So I, you know, I walked out of the practice and some guys usually left at, at soccer, you know, practice if they had some type of physical therapy they had to go through or a doctor's appointment. And I remember leaving the practice and my coach is like, Hey, you know, Mark, where are you going? And I said, I have, I have a therapy session. He just said, oh, okay, why don't you go ahead and go? And I don't know if he saw it in my face. I don't know if he realized what I was going through. I don't know if he, he had seen, you know, freshmen kind of get there and just feel like they didn't belong. And, and that started my first therapy journey. And I'm so glad I did it because it, it lifted a weight off of my shoulders for the first time in my life in that, that instance. It, 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 somebody was there just to listen to me, just to hear what I had to say. And that felt, that felt amazing. I think that was very brave of you to not only recognize that you needed help, but to actually follow through with going to get the help at such a pivotal time in your life. You know, because your early, you know, early or late teens, early 20s is like, you know, for if you're in college, you know, you're it's, it's a rough time for a lot of people. And I think that just having the ability to be like, you know what, I'm going to get help and to be okay with that. Because a lot of boys and men are taught to hide their emotions, hide their feelings, don't cry, suck it up type of thing, you know? So why is it that you think that men, black men in particular, don't talk about their mental health? Well, there, I mean, there's, there's so many reasons, you know, we can't discount the biggest one is, is, is definitely generational trauma that's out there for black men. Like there is, if you look back in the history of the black man, especially in this country, like we weren't supposed to have emotion. We were supposed to do what we were told by anybody at any time and just do it. And then if we had a family, we weren't supposed to go home and act emotional. We always had to be that stoic rock that always, you know, made sure our kids are taken care of, our wife is taken care of. We we weren't supposed to be that. So as those generations learn from their fathers, they emulate what their fathers do. And it just, it keeps going. And, you know, growing up and at no point was, was I ever told, you know, not to cry in that, that, you know, manly way, but I was always kind of told to keep my emotions to myself. And I was kind of, you know, it was, it was just known that, you know, black men, if we're not seen as the protector, as a defender, as the strong black man, then we're weak. Then we're weak and the world's going to, you know, chew us up and spit us out. That's what's going to happen. And what's happening is we're seeing just generations of black men hold so much trauma in that we don't have an outlet. We don't know our outlets. We don't talk to each other. Like we don't have a group of black men that just say, hey, this is how I'm feeling, and I, I, I would like you to listen. And that's what I've tried to, 
to stop. That's what I've tried to make sure I'm available for, you know, men of color so I can be that, I can end that generational trauma with me, with my generation. I can be that person who speaks up and says, hey, it's okay to come home and say work stressed you out. It's okay to come home and say, I just didn't have it today. I just need time to myself. It's okay to say these things because the more we push them down, then the more it's just going to bubble up and explode. And, and you can't put, you can't fill a cup that's already full or you can't take from a cup that's empty. You can't do those things. And that's what generations of black men have been doing for a long time. So it's, it sounds like it's about creating a safe space and a place of trust and community amongst not just black men, but people of color in general to where they feel men feel comfortable saying to their significant other or saying to their friends or, you know, or whoever they value in their life, like, hey, I need some space, you know, or hey, this is what's going on and feel that they are going to be not only heard, but that they can trust that that person is not going to think anything less of them because they're expressing their emotions. You put it really well, thinking less of someone. So, you know, right now in a lot of times in the black male community, we have to always keep our guard up. We have to always put out appearances. We have to always look, act, think a certain way because that's what society tells us to do. And, you know, it, it's unfortunate because when we do that, we take away a lot of the creativity of black men. We take a lot, uh, take away a lot of just the ability to be unique, be creative, be their own selves. And we basically put them all in the same box. We create this type of persona, this caricature that we promote as what the quote unquote black man is in America. And it really hasn't been, hey, I'm a black man and I could be depressed. It's like, wait, no, no, you can't. Like, you're not allowed to be depressed. Like, you have to go out, go, go catch this ball, go, go do this strong thing, go, you know, go do this thing that we expect our, our black men to entertain us. Like, you're not allowed to have a day off from being the quote unquote black man in America. Guess what? I, I want a day off. Like, I just want to be Mark. I just want to be in my feelings for a second. Like, can we do, I just do that? And it, it's funny, no other, well, I can't think of any other little, little subsection of culture that, that has that kind of bias put on them. Okay, so it's like we need to humanize yes. the, yeah. humanize black men. You know, there are layers, you're multifaceted. It's not just, you know, this is what society says, this is what cult, the culture is saying, so this is what, you know, we should expect from our, um, our black men and our men of color or, you know, the stereotype, like, you know, it's more to you than, than just that. So I want to know what advice would you have for women when dealing with their significant other, their spouse, their brother, their uncle, their father, whatever the men that they, whoever the men they value in their lives what advice would you have for them in, in kind of gently guiding their uh, loved one along into getting some help if they notice signs of, of uh, some issues? And, you know, I, I rarely ever give unsolicited advice to the 
fact that you're asking me, I, I really appreciate that. And that's that's the first thing that anyone can do is just keep lines of communication open and just ask people how they're doing. Check in on black men like you would any other friend. And I know that seems hard, especially for, you know, everybody has their clicks and women are going to check in and on women. I got to see how my girlfriend's doing. I haven't heard from her, all that stuff. If you have a man that means a lot to you, like a brother, a cousin, father, an uncle, whoever, just look other, just little check-ins mean a lot. Hey, I was thinking about you. I hope all is well. Let me know if you want to talk. And if you don't get a response, you know, I understand that's fine. But if you get a response, really pay attention to that response. Because if it goes anything like, hey, you know, I've been going through a lot, but, you know, just you're trying to get through my day, but I hope you're well, you know, then at that point, that is an invitation. We don't see it that way, but that's the invitation to say, hey, you know what? I got 15 minutes when we talk. I just want to see how you're doing. I want to listen. And I don't think people really understand like how important those 5, 10, 15 minutes are, how important those text messages are, how important that little email is. And what I do and, and this could help answer this question too, is, is I literally have random reminders to myself to text people that I haven't texted in a while, especially guys. And I say, hey man, it's just, it's, you know, Mark, I'm just thinking about you. Hope all is well. Let me know if, if, if you need anything. Hope you have a great day. And it might seem weird at first, especially a, a woman who might not be used to, you know, taking the initiative on a conversation, might think it's weird that I'm asking, I'm, I'm asking my uncle how he's doing. I'm asking my, my brother how he's doing. You know, it might feel weird, but the more you do it, just like anything in life, the more natural it becomes, the more normal it becomes. So, you know, the easiest thing I can do is, is to keep those lines of communication open but then listen for the responses and react accordingly. Mm -hmm. So it's not just about making the time. Making the time is one thing, but once you make that time, genuinely show care and concern that you're actively listening to what this person, whether it's a text or a phone call or however they're, they're communicating with you, take the time to pay attention to those signs and just hold space for that person. I think those are some really powerful thoughts and some really great advice as far as what we can do in your own personal life. How do you handle your mental health? What do you do to get in balance? Well, that has been, well, I work on it every day and it's something that you have to be intentional with. It's something that you have to, you know, make a priority and, the one thing, the biggest thing I've done in the last years is I've prioritized myself and prioritized my my mental health. What I mean by that is that I'm not being selfish with my time. I'm not being egotistic or self-centered, nothing like that. I came to a realization that everything that's important in my life has one common denominator. So whether it's my relationship with my wife, with my kids, with my dad, my brother, my sister, my job, my friends, you know, the coaching, anybody that I know, the one common denominator is me. And I figured out that I can't take care of everyone else and then hope to take care of myself. But what I can do is I can take care of myself, prioritize my my life, my feelings, you know, my my aspirations, my dreams, my physical health, my mental health, and then that can help me be available for everyone else. You know, the more that I meditate, journal, go to the gym, go for a run, make sure I'm taking care of, eat healthy, get proper sleep, 
then I'm able to, you know, take my kids to the bus stop. Then I'm able to coach my daughter's team in soccer. Then I'm able to spend quality time with my wife and learn her love language. Then I'm able to take phone calls from my father and do, you know, projects with my sister, you know, that's when I'm able to be a good friend and, and have conversations with the people who mean a lot to me. And I know it's very hard for a lot of people to understand that they think it's being selfish. I can't take care of myself. I got to be available for everybody. I got to take care of everybody. And then it'll, I learned for me that I have to prioritize who I am, what I do, my mental health, and then everything else takes care of itself. So prioritizing you taking care of yourself first so that way as oprah says it once your cup is full then your cup runneth over and you can give from that that runneth over and then what's left in your cup is for you that is that is a perfect analogy because if we're continuing trying to give for other people with an empty cup it just that leads to burnout if we're talking about and this happened to me a couple months ago on the job leads to burnout if we're trying to just give everything to our family it leads to arguments. It leads to feeling underappreciated. And then, you know, that leads to, you know, just dark, deep, dark depression and, you know, constant anxiety, constant self-doubt. So I've learned that I have to do the things to fill my cup. Up. I have to do those things. I have to wake up early. I have to get to the gym. I have to make sure that I set boundaries and which is a hard thing to do, especially for me. But I have to make sure I'm able to say no when I need to say no because I, I prioritize myself so I can give to others. Mm, okay. So in line with that, what would you say, what is your message to the men out there or the women that are listening for their, their the men in their lives? But what, what is your the final thing that you want to kind of get across to the guys? Listen, there there is no shame in being emotional. It doesn't make you less of a man if you feel like you're depressed, if you feel like you're anxious, if you feel like something just, like you wake up in the morning and today is not your day. You know, like, uh, you know, men don't take mental health days. I got to push through this. We have a chance, all the men in my generation and generation after me, we have a chance to really do right by the people that we're leading, really do right by our children, really do right by the people we love, by just opening up and being selfless with our emotions and being vulnerable. I understand it's really hard for someone to be vulnerable and talk about a time that they just couldn't do it. Talk about a time where they felt depressed. Talk about a time where they just didn't have everything that they thought they should have. We have a golden opportunity to be just a human being and accept that our feelings are our own. Like you, you have to validate yourself. If you feel bad, understand that you feel bad. Like at no point, if you were to injure yourself physically, sprain an ankle, sprain a knee, break a bone, like it, it, it wouldn't be a wise decision to just say, oh no, that bone's not broken. It's, it's not broken. I'm just going to mask it. I'm just going to keep walking and, and you're going to do further damage. You're, you're going to, you know, nerve damage, infection. You're going to possibly die from this simple break. That's how you have to see your, your mental health. Don't mask it, work on it and then accept it, validate it. 
you deserve it. You're worth it. I know for the longest time, black men and black people have all have been told they're not worth it. But guess what? Every one of us is worth it. We were, we're worth our time, our attention, therapy, counseling, friends. We're worth all of that. So hold on to it and let's stop the stigma with this generation so other men growing up can learn to deal with their own emotions. All right. You heard him say it best. Don't mask your mental health. Work on it because you are worth it. Well, thank you so much, Mark. It's been a pleasure having you on the show today. Please let our guests know how they can reach out to you if they need to and where they can find you, your social media handles, all that good stuff. Well, you can uh, go to Facebook and find me just looking up Relatively Normal Podcast. I'm on IG, same thing, Relatively Normal Podcast, anchor.fm. And you can also just look up the Relatively Normal Podcast, which is available on anywhere you listen to podcasts. All right. You heard it, y'all. The Relatively Normal Podcast. Make sure you check it out. Look him up. And we will talk to you next time. Thank you so much for joining and y'all have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Bipolar Black Girl Podcast with your host, Delvina J. We hope you feel encouragement from today's episode and that you continue to join us for future episodes. But this show is not a replacement for professional help. Please remember to reach out for medical help if you feel you need it. Although we can get together as a community and share our experiences with each other, if you need mental health services, you should seek a medical professional immediately. And no matter what today or tomorrow brings, girl, you can get back up again and again.